powerful dream threads can mesmerize one for hours, days, or even a lifetime when they arrive. Now there's a way to journey to the depths of our soul by opening those crevices. Our two guests this afternoon are masters at this. Our two guests are Mark Bregman and Krista Lancaster. They're master teachers at the Center of Archetypal Dream Work and have shared their work in workshops, retreats, and talks throughout the United States, Canada, Bermuda, and Europe, as well as in radio and television interviews. So to let everyone know, you're listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Paula, dream work is such a magnet because most of us do dream. And yet, what if someone doesn't dream? Well, we'll find out if we can access ourselves in other ways today. Now, Mark Bregman founded Archetypal DreamWork in 1973 and has been evolving his work as a student of his own dreams and those of his clients in almost 40 years since. And with his partner and beloved Krista Lancaster, he founded North of Eden, an organization dedicated to archetypal dream work. Mark and Krista are co-authors of a book called Flesh Off the Bone, Dream Descent Through Past Life Trauma. And um, just how deep are we going today? Well, we'll find out in a moment. Paula, please tell us more about Krista Lancaster. Absolutely. Uh, Krista's passion for working with groups and for what she calls sensuality of the dream resulted in a powerful dream enactment process called string therapy. That is the foundation of archetypal dream work retreat experience. I can't wait to hear about this. Krista and Mark, thank you for all this incredible support in helping others to become conscious and, and in this process. And it's great to have both of you. I can't wait to hear all about this. Thanks for having us. Oh, yes. You know, I myself, I'm in a little dream group, um, you know, with about six women, and we unfold our dreams, but we're only relating it to um, our present. I mean, we're only relating the dream of what's happening to us now. But as I was reading through um, Dreaming Metaphysical, I can see that you work with past lives and past traumas, maybe that we don't even remember that we had. Is this true? Yeah, that's absolutely right, um, Paula. And um, the dreams come when each person is ready. So in a way, we don't go searching after past lives or trauma. It's simply a matter of beginning the first dream, and a first session might begin with something as mundane as um, getting angry at your spouse for not taking out the trash. And um, so there's a way that the dreams deal with the ways that we're tangled up in our everyday reality where we're reacting or projecting um, something from a deeper wound that we don't know about that's sitting inside us. And, of course, then we spin our everyday um, dramas, which we all do in one way or another. And and then we, we, never, we never get to go down and find out what's there. Um, and there's a good reason, because a lot of us do have some sort of trauma we, we don't know about, and a lot of us have traumas that we do know about. But um, 
instinctively the ego says don't go there and uh, meanwhile the dream is popping up and saying yes you know take a look at what's keeping you stuck and often it begins with the very very ordinary moments of of life right so we call that stage one dreaming and people come in sometimes doing stage two dreaming uh, as well but basically the trauma work it, it, it goes side by side with the archetypal work where you begin to develop a relationship with the animus or the anima or the soul, which is the child in dreams. And you, so a lot of times you you just don't go down into your trauma. You you learn to relate to these forces in the, in the psyche that are, that are supportive. So a lot of times with trauma we don't have support. And so to go back into trauma where you don't have support, um, it's just to re-traumatize ourselves. The purpose of trauma is to be loved. It's the purpose of this work in that way of trauma is to, that the archetypes will love you in the moment of your deepest loss. So that takes a very subtle way the dreams work to go back and forth between, which is second stage work, between the love that's supporting you and the trauma that keeps you from your vulnerable girl. And so that split, it takes time. That's the first, that's underneath all the ways that we, what Krista was talking about, project into the world and have reactions and really for something much deeper. And the love that we want really can't be found here. The love that we need to heal our trauma has to be from the divine. So these archetypes, Royal around in our psyches and in our dreams to really help us go to a deep place of wound and also to receive tremendous amounts of support, healing, and love. Now, uh, you've Mark, been working with... Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, Mark, we've been, um, you know, we might have some listeners that don't know what archetypal uh, dream work is. So if you could describe that word archetypal. Archetype is probably the most... Uh, God, controversial word in the Jungian world. Um, but for, for Carl Jung in the Red Book, which is different than some of the Carl Jung other books, which is the hidden book that was released about three years ago, he wrote uh, back uh, before World War I, um, or was writing it, uh, has to do with the, with the belief that in the soul, in the REM sleep, that there are divine beings that come to you at night to challenge, he calls the animus the trickster, which is the male version, who often challenges us around our ego and our, our own assumptions. So he doesn't always come in a way that's pleasant, but he's an archetype that is part of the alchemical world of transformation. And if there's any one teacher in the soul, in the psychological world of REM, it's, it's him. Of course, in Narnia, he came as a lion. What's his name? Aslan. As, Aslan. So those that are Narnia fans, he, he was reflected as a lion, which sometimes in dreams the animus can be a lion. Be many things. He comes as a ways to help us. And so, um, so archetypes are living conscious forces in the psyche that are trying to help us individually, dream by dream, in REM sleep. Uh, the other archetypes is the Adama, which is the feminine counterpart, 
who works around intimacy, sensuality, and shame. That's one of her areas. But the most important thing about an archetype is to know you can never be one. You can never be the wise old man. You can never be um, the inspired. Uh, you can only be the child. So the child comes in the dream as a place of absolute vulnerability and the openness to being supported by these critters. Are you there? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. So does that make sense? I think I'm talking a lot here. <laughs> well, I was kind of questioning also, um, you know, some people don't dream. So, um, and recently, um, during the day, I'm – and I, I don't know whether it's just the change of the astrology part and, and for myself individually or maybe it might be for more than myself, but I've noticed here lately I've had an easy hook in, like something will happen and I'll become uh, very emotional inside. And it's almost like the trigger of saying, hey, look at this. You know what I mean? So that's kind of almost like dreaming during the day. Does that happen, right. Mark? I would agree with you, but I would also say that everybody dreams. And the, I think, Chris, you want to comment on that? Well, I I think that, you know, the feelings that rise up in the day, um, often, as you say, we don't know really where they're coming from. And um, listening into your dreams, you, you tend to find out what, what those feelings are really about. And so it's interesting when you start working with your dreams or start contemplating them, even if you're not having them, even for folks listening who haven't had a dream in 10 years, when you begin to sort of give them some sort of um, priority, um, usually usually a dream will come. Um, I often, you know, have, have people show up and they say, I haven't dreamt for years. And we make a date, and by the time the date comes, they've, they've had dreams. So... Like anything, it's like sort of exercising a muscle that um, as you, you know, as you give that muscle attention, it uh, it responds and strengthens. Right. I mean, the psyche is a living thing that once once you listen, uh, it will get it will get stronger. Are you paying attention? And and not just listening by writing them down, but listening by understanding the intention of the dream is what we're trying to teach people how to do. Uh, bring that knowledge into the world so that people can look at their dreams, everybody dreams, and go, wow, I think I, I can understand what this is. Of course, we're willing to work one-on-one with people and in, in retreats and this and that to train people to do this for themselves and for others. But really, we just want to get the knowledge out. But, yes, everybody dreams, and I've been doing this work for 45 years and I've had numerous clients come in by the dozens because I have a pretty big load over the years. And, I, you know, they always, you know, they bring in one little snippet. A lot of times people will say, well, that's not a dream, or they'll bring something really tiny and say, well, that's not a dream, or that's a mundane dream, or that's a dream about my job. But actually, they're all great. They all have a lesson, and the therapist trained to do this can show a person how to begin to pick at the to, to, to go down and in, and sometimes, you know, you all of a sudden, you know, you've got like eight dreams, you know, after you, your second session in the therapy, suddenly, my God, I don't know what happened. I'm suddenly dreaming like crazy. That's the common response once you start to pay attention to yourself in that way. 
Well, it, it, this is my personal opinion, but um, I think working with your dreams uh, with a counselor or someone that is like you can really uh, work a lot faster than any other therapy I've seen. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, uh, Paula, because the the, uh, the dream goes underneath um, the ego and it goes underneath the radar of everybody's agenda in the room to what your soul wants for you to know. And so it goes right to the heart of what is the place inside yourself you have to look at today, you know, to, to take the next step. And, it, and, it, and once you start listening, it goes very quickly. It goes deep and, um, and down. Yeah, it's like a lesson plan. Once you get the lesson right, then the dreams change. And uh, what we do in retreats, well, we have a presentation process where people are really, you know, they're not in the work and they're not in the long three, four, five-day events that we have. They'll just come for like three hours. We have these presentations. We also have webinars uh, that Bill and Sue do, who are master teachers as well. And they, we present the work to them by using examples of other people in the work by showing them how that is and also taking people from the audience and doing some work with them without even knowing them, we can do some a pretty amazing dream work with them about them themselves to show them how it works. Also, we have Submit a Dream. We're free of charge. You put on our website uh, the Submit a Dream, uh, com. is a Submit a Dream thing, and we'll get back to you. Somebody trained will get back to you and show you how we would look at that dream to see if it's something you want to pursue. So, yes, uh, that it's such an extraordinary different way of looking at a dream that everybody can learn to do. Um, it, it, the only the price of admission is willing to look at yourself in a way that is different than the way you might think of yourself because the dream has a different orientation to your problem than what we do. Now, have you ever taught... Um to ask a question before you go to bed and have the dream answer the question? I certainly have. I, I mean, I think I probably asked a more general question, like, can you, I really need a, a, a dream, you know, to help me. Right, but see, you're ongoing. It's, look at it like an a elongated journey. So when you're on the journey, things are unfolding every session that are profound. And... Uh, if you're really working, you can barely keep up with it because it's the questions that you would ask from a place of your ego self are different than the questions you would ask once you begin to do the dream work. So a lot of times the hard thing about this work and sharing it is it's very different than what you might think about once you engage the unconscious, the first thing it does, it doesn't give you advice usually, Maybe one out of a hundred if you're really something terrible is happening for you would want, would want to deal with that. But for most of us, the way the psyche re- reflects is really a lot more subtle. And um, you can ask the questions and all you want, but to me, the dream's telling me what it wants me to know. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, people will say, well, I don't understand, like, this going taking me over here, but this is my concern over there. And I would say, well, the dream, dream, the dream knows better. Maybe your concern is not important to the dream 
reality. Maybe something that's more important than what you think is important. So once you're in the work a bit, you realize, wow, this is I can really see the reality that I didn't know existed and how things that I thought were important actually from this perspective that the dream has showed me and that I'm feeling in myself is profoundly a different thing. So um, you just have to take the plunge to know where the dream wants to take you and then trust that it knows better and we have to put our concerns aside until at some point those issues will come up. So it's actually your soul talking to you. Absolutely. Or the way to the soul. Yes. Like you, t- like Carl Jung talks about it in stages in the Red Book. The first stage is the desert experience, which we term first stage, which is living in the desert means having your ego being pla- being disseminated in some way, like seeing through your own falseness. And then the second stage is descent. Uh, that Carl talks about, which is going underneath the past lives and alchemy and transformation. So, um, so anyway, that's Carl talks a lot about that. So, what we're trying to do is to go through into descent. But like Krista says, most people start out with uh, mundane issues as a way for the the archetype to show you, you know, I know it's important to you, but really this is a cover for something else and a feeling underneath that, and it will take you step by step to the underground feelings that are the source of our suffering and of our projections and worries and everything. It's an amazing process, but you have to give up with your own agenda. That's sometimes hard for people because – they don't really want the dream. They don't really. They don't really want to go to their soul. They don't really want to be in conflict with their soul. But really, we almost all of us are in conflict with our souls, and the dream will show you how you are, and how you may be in harmony with it if you are in harmony. Now, if you once you get deeper into this work, do you see people, um, friends dropping off? Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes, yes, when you change and some of the ways that you are with people, you don't want to be that way anymore because you realize it's not what you really are. And then when you try to reach out from that deeper place, sometimes people are like, wow, I love who you are. I love where you're going. And, and, and sometimes people go, like, I don't like what's happening to you because it threatens me in some way. And you, we, you do lose it's co- it's controversial work because it's so scary. So when people are scared, they sometimes reject you because they're scared. It's, it sometimes does happen. Yes, it's good to, that you're saying that. Now, now, I need to realize, let people know here, too, that reading your book, you said everybody in a dream is part of us. I think that's interesting. I didn't really know that. And uh, Paula and I were talking about this yesterday. Um you want to talk something about that? Well, I think um, what that statement really means is that every part of the dream reflects something about us. So um, we tend to think when we have a dream that it, it might mean if Aunt Polly's in the dream that it's about Aunt Polly. 
but it's really who is Aunt Polly to the dreamer. Um, what does that, is Aunt Polly kind or funny or mean or sarcastic? Because all the, all the characters or the beings in our dreams reflect something about us. And it might be a part of us that we're, you know, we don't know about that's a blind spot, some way that we maybe have a sarcastic tongue like Aunt Polly. Um, and, and we're not really aware of that, the shadow side or the dark side of, of our personality. So the dreams are pretty relentless in, in, in showing us the mirror of who we are and who we're not. And, you know, Mark was speaking about the second stage of the work. That's really where you begin to disidentify from that dark side, or we, we use the term pathology, the side of us that is, is false, that is created, you know, that is layered over some kind of hurt or wound, some reason why we've separated from ourselves. And as we disidentify from the false self, then the feelings open up to who we really are, um, which is the sublime consciousness of, of the child self. So if any of you listening have children in your dreams, there's a doorway there for you back to a kind of innocent soul self, um, the part of us that lives inside every one of us that knows the greater consciousness, you know, that some call the divine, some call God, um, the other, the ineffable love. And um, really, in some ways, the whole intentionality of, of the dream work and the dreams as we've discovered over the years is to take every single one of us who's willing to show up for the adventure back down through the layers to reclaim that soul, so in some sense, you know, for people wanting to understand this work, it's about soul reclamation, but it, it's, a, it's a sort of serious uh, self-examination route where you have to really look at uh, the ways, at what is keeping you from becoming one with that essence or, or divine uh, core. Right, that's what Carl calls the desert, and it's the first step in dying to self, which is the which is the main issue, main thing about what dreams want to do is to kill off the part of you that isn't really the soul and um, to make room for the soul and all the feelings, both traumatic feelings and feelings of connection, the soul is able to connect with the divine in a way that, that we can't without that part of ourselves. But there's a lot more at stake here because the child, you know, I had a dream about the child the uh, first time I, I met the girl, a girl in my dream, and we were at these mailboxes, and she had this a pet bear, this big bear was running around her, and she was crying, and, and of course, I asked her why she was crying. She used to be a mail, a, a mail carrier, so uh, it's like, you know, one of these big apartment things where they're, you're inside, and she's stuffing these boxes, like she's a mailman, with these letters, and crying, and I'm saying, what's up? And she said, I send these letters to everybody, and nobody responds. And um, so, you know, I I mean, Carl Jung talks a lot about her as Salome, and her crown is love never dies. And Carl never figures it out in the dream because he's too much in his head. I mean, in his book, I mean, he deliberately does that to show how blind we are 
when we live in our heads. So understanding isn't the answer. The girl doesn't understand anything, but she feels everything. And so, you know, we've seen her in some movies. Uh, we've seen her in The Whale Rider. We've seen her in The Beast of the Southern Wild. She pops up here and there um, in, our, in, in our mythologies and our stories. But uh, she's really amazing, and it's hard to get to your soul. So ultimately, that is being with the girl or being with the boy. That's, that's obtainable really quickly. The hard part is becoming the girl or the boy in your dream. If you're, if you're actually the girl or boy in your dream, there are, you've, you're doing it. You're really getting it. You're out of life. Things are really changing. So that's the goal. And this is really different than normal dreaming. People would say, well, I met this girl on the road, and we we're best friends. And I'd say, well, it's better than, than telling her, you know, kicking her out. But the, the goal of the dream is that eventually you become this girl, just like the goal of the dream is that you eventually breathe water or you eventually jump off a cliff. Like all the things that are counterintuitive to the mind, to the dream world, is the stuff of transformation. And um, I think a good example of, of the that I was uh, I was reading dreaming metaphysical is how our ego takes over, and as a caretaker or a mother, uh, our whole life is going to for caretaking or for taking care of a child or a sick spouse or whatever we. That's all that we're doing, but that's. And we're thinking that this is good. You know, we're not selfish. We're taking care of others. But it, actually, it's our ego working and not allowing the um, child or the soul to come out. Do you want to respond on that? Yeah, I would say, and I think Krista wants to talk to I would just say to lead it off that, you know, it's always great to love others and support and care for them. There's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But the problem is... If, you know, the old adage, physician heal thyself. You know, if we don't, I go, if we don't realize that a lot of the, the people around us that we care about and their woundedness, maybe we're projecting our woundedness and we believe if we take care of them, then we don't have to feel our own, our own wound. And the dreams will take you right to your wound. And so um, at, some, at some point, the direct place is to know that we are all wounded, and in that place, um, we could be opened to our souls. Krista, you want to add to that? Um, I don't know. The, yeah, it's a big thing to talk about. I think, um, Taz and Paul, there's a, the word that jumps up for me is need, that there's a need um, to become, a need to be who we really are. And... There are all different ways that we cover up and mask that. And uh, for some people, avoiding the who, who am I and what is it that I'm really here to do um, can be covered up by doing things that are very good in the world. And yet, if we leave ourselves and this sort of deep longing or need out of the equation, um, are we really all there? And um, so the dreams do tend to confront those of us who have, and a lot of us, you know, teachers, doctors, you know, uh, social workers, counselors have a part of us that wants to, 
to help other people. And as Mark's saying, that that's not a bad thing. It's a good impulse. But our need, our sort of longing needs to be in there as well. Well, it's like a lot of women who uh, their children, the emptiness syndrome, as you say, the children's left and home and there's nothing for them. They identified themselves with being a mother. And now what do we do? You know, what does the mother do? She's left without anything. So it'd be better for someone to work on themselves maybe before this happened. And well, know- yeah. I just want to say that oftentimes in dreams, the soul appears as a child that is your child. And the reason for that is we project onto our kids, particularly when they're young and sometimes through their entire life, the glorious part of ourselves. And it's nice that you love your child, but they get all the all the goodies. We can't let them go. You know, we can't let them go. And or we pour too much of ourselves onto them because we're empty. And Carl talks about being empty versus being full. If you're the child, you're full. If you're not the child, then you're empty. And, of course, when we're empty, we want to fill ourselves up, and sometimes we use our children to do that. So it's a mixed blessing, you know. It's great that you love your child. I have kids. Chris has got kids. We have kids. We love kids. But... Your kid comes first, and if it doesn't, there's an imbalance that gets created where the child's supposed to kind of meet all those expectations or whatever we pour into our child that really is a lack in ourselves. So I can give you a little example of a, my probably my very first dream a long time ago when I was a young single mother in my late 20s, and this dream was my then five-year-old son um, ran towards the edge of this deep cliff and dark water and jumped over. So, of course, the part of me that's the mother is terrified and scared for the child, but what what was really being asked of me in that dream was to follow the child. You know, the child, you know, it knows the deeper waters of the unconscious and the unknown feelings, and of course, I was projecting my terror of going on my journey. I was at that classic 29 Saturn return age, and I could easily have spent my life, you know, pouring everything into to kids, but I got this early warning, um, don't do that. Go into your own dark waters and find out who who you are. And um, And I did, you know, but I had to relearn that, that the child was the wisest part of me in the dream. And uh, my son held that for me, and I had to learn to separate out from the mother that, you know, wanted to keep him safe and understand uh, this deeper symbolic journey that I was being invited to go on. And it's scary. I mean, I understand why people want to hide behind, you know, parenthood or want to hide behind, um, you know, caring for other people because, it's like the uh, in the tarot deck that leaping empty-handed into the void, taking that first step towards your unconscious um, to find out what that consciousness has in store for you. You know, is a big step, and a lot of people don't come to that. You know, readily they come through crisis, through the ending of a marriage or the death or some unforeseen happenstance in their life. And I'm sure your you know your listeners because of the content of your show are are very aware of what I'm talking about. You know, we don't all 
go on our journeys willingly. Um, we want to be safe and we want to have a nice life. And what is this calling to us that is from a deeper place? Um, so in some ways I was, I was glad that I sort of hit the wall early in life and I, I really was forced to begin um, at 29. And that's when I started really listening to my dreams and, and, it, and, and looking at myself through the prism reflected back at me. Now, nightmares um, is something that your soul really is knocking at the door for you to look at, I would think, because it's, we remember them uh, because they're so terrifying sometimes. So to me, that might be something that we really need to look at. Well, for sure, nightmares often either carry, you, you know, obviously if you're living in your life and you're, having a, a terrible emotional problems that would produce a nightmare in order to work through some of the the things that are in your life that maybe you're aware of and it's just really maybe for some people if they're living a nightmare every day and dreams will reflect it but also a lot of from a lot of us that have what Krista talks about you know we're living the good life so to so to speak we don't really want to take the journey a nightmare definitely is a is a portal, and often is calling us from maybe maybe in some cases deep trauma from the past. Um, when you talk about trauma dreams, uh, or I call them a regressive dreams, versus a metaphorical dream that's more symbolic. Usually, a, a regressive dream that has to do with past life trauma, which may be felt as a nightmare, um, is a a dream where it takes place at a particular time, like with certain clothing and certain cir circumstances, architecture, and the like, clothing you might be wearing in the dream or others are wearing, a period piece. That's usually a sign that this may be about a past life. And not saying that it is, but oftentimes they are. And they can come to us as a nightmare because it's things we remember from our past lives are generally trauma things. We don't generally have dreams about a past life about something positive um, because if we have something positive, we continue to live in us life after life. It's the thing that we repress that the dream wants us to look at to heal. To heal. So are we like an onion? We keep layer after layer after layer? If we yeah, absolutely. Right, for the fundamental goal of what we call in the third stage, Carl Jung, um, uh, in his book, uh, uh, doesn't quite get us there because in the third stage, Carl has a reaction. That after all he's gone through in his journey, even alchemy, um, and all the great things he's done, and and the great learning he, uh, he, he gives, he says no to the girl. Elijah tells Solomon, Elijah's the father, tells, gives Solomon, he says, well, Carl, you've done such a great job. This is from his dream, supposedly. I'm going to give you my 12-year-old daughter. Well, Carl goes into a whole hissy fit, as he does throughout the book, to reflect human beings, not just him, himself about the girl being too young about him not wanting to be a caretaker and that's where he kind of leaves us Salome comes back over and over and, and says 
If you want love, you need to accept me. And Carl turns it around and says, what more do you want from me? Actually gets angry at God as if something's being taken. So after all this treatise, we're still in this place, from Carl's point of view, where people don't understand that they're to become the girl. And he was thinking, well, I'll just be Dr. Young with this girl, and what are people going to think? And, I mean, he kind of knew better, but he really, he really couldn't take that, that, that step. And um, I'd like to think that over 100 years later, and I hear from so many radio people that we do, and I, I, I have a better understanding of the audience and social change than I do on a spiritual sense, that people are getting ready, more willing now, to take the journey and to really become the thing that we are. So I think that's changing. And I think this work, even though it's going to be challenging and scary to look at it, it's incredibly satisfying for those that really want to find themselves in this way. And, and I also want to add that, you know, dream work works very well with other things, whether it's other holistic work, whether it's yoga or body work, um, meta, meditation, and all the other things. Everybody dreams, and people that are spiritual and doing other paths, you don't have to leave your path to be on this dream work. The dream work will will bring the good work that you're doing and use it to enhance the inner the inner journey. So it, it, it isn't to say that the dream work is not its own path. It's rather something that all paths have this work in common if they were to do it. Now, the people you, you also put this... You also put this along with um, Epharian astrology, which means it gives you another tool to be able to work with people. Uh, I thought that was very interesting as well. Well, I uh, appreciate that you really looked at our, our books, but that's uh, rare. Um, <laughs> yes, um, when I was a, a young man, I happened on Rudyard Tapes where he talked about Carl Jung and how he had, the, the, he had this type of astrology that was just for dreams. And it became humanistic astrology um, that didn't really go very far. And I've adapted this astrology to this work. And I wrote a very unclear book about it. Uh, but it is a great, um, it's not that hard to, to learn it. And it does add a sounding board, and many of our people that we train do learn to do it because it does help with the complexity of dreams to add the person's feelings and their experiences with the symbolism of the dream, the journey of the dream, and because the psyche is so complicated and treacherous, this, the having understanding of the chart really adds to uh, trying to understand how this dream reflects the intention for this person only. One of the problems with mythological dreaming is people generalize a lot of things. 
the thing is, how does this relate to you and why? Because every person is the subject, not in a general way, but in a specific way that is unique and specifically unique for them because everybody's journey is different and everybody's way through is diff different. So, yeah, the chart helps to understand the uniqueness of that person's journey and that person uh, before even having a dream. It's very helpful, for sure. Now, you're going to be in. Oh, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, you know, you also have, um, uh, uh, Krista, you know, you, you, ha you talked about the process called string therapy. I mean, that almost sounds like um, you understand, you know, you grab a string and you kind of pull and, and it kind of leads you to where you're going. Um, and, uh, and you guys give workshops on this. This is really wonderful. You open the doors for people to come. Yep, we do. We do this pretty dynamic group process. We were just out um, in California at Esalen, actually, and Big Sur, and um, we spent, you know, seven days with folks entering into the drama of each person's dream. So we really work a cluster of each dreamer's dreams, and the other participants in the small group step into the parts. So they become, for example, the lion or, you know, the scary lady, or, you know, the handsome man with the twinkle in his eye, or the beast with a hatchet, you know. And by entering into these roles, um, everybody awakens the unconscious. So the unconscious becomes, becomes alive in the room. And it's very, very effective in opening up um, deeper feelings, or feeling corridors, we call them, um, which lead us down in the descent to our soul, something we haven't talked about so much uh, yet, but this work is really, you could call it feeling dream work because it's about um, opening up the blocks that um, where our, our deeper feelings lie and, and in that way um, basically coming alive, you know, really feeling everything that there is to be felt that, the girl soul that Mark refers to feels. So in the, in the drama of strings, and it's called string therapy because we put a string between the dreamer and the different characters or beings in the dreams, and it helps to delineate, to show often the struggle, you know, the sort of, there's, in each one of us there's a struggle between the light that wants to emerge and the darkness that would, like, keep us all shut down and uh, not emerge and um, the strings help to visually show where the energies are and where, you know, where the struggle is between those two forces. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I, the book, um, there's two books Paula and I got. The first, one of the book, the book I have, is called Flesh Off the Bone, Dream Decent Through Past Life Trauma. And this is by um, you, Krista, and also Mark, uh, mm -hmm. co-author. And on the back of the book, I thought it was very interesting. I'd like to read this part of it. It says, this book chronicles the journey of two seekers willing to face into the deepest traumas in order to reclaim the deepest love. Journey with Krista Lancaster and Mark Bregman as they descend through their dreams into the caverns of deeply buried trauma, heeding the call of the unconscious to open the realms of great pain and terror experienced in past lives. Why would we choose to delve into the hurts and horrors of another life? 
isn't the material of the present life enough to work with? It can take many years healing the experiences of this life before regressive dreaming occurs. One must first be healed of the real or imagined traumas of childhood to find the to find the eternal child. Oh, you you faded. Everything. We journey not to find the worst moment, but the love within the worst moment. I think I love that last sentence. It really, it really just sings with me. So we journey not to find the worst moment, but the love within the worst moment. I, I yes, that's that's actually the probably the kernel of everything that we do is to yeah. to know that in the worst moment from the past that we were never abandoned, that, of course, we separated in our terror or whatever horror or um, difficulty that we encountered. So to, in, our, in the shock of whatever moment um, that was, we shut off to the love as well. So a part of the, the core of healing from trauma is to, to experience through a dream image and feeling and to bring the love from another dream to that moment and it's like it sounds sort of simple but it's it's like staying open to the horror and knowing that there's this profound consciousness of love and that's for myself that's that's what i i got to experience um and in the moment when I could actually hold both things and stay open to both love and the terror that I had known, which was really a memory from a long time ago, and to be conscious enough in the present to realize it wasn't happening right now, it was a memory. Um, you know, from that time on, I never had symptoms of PTSD again. So, you know, it's, it's a, it, there is a journey to learn, in a way, how to be with feelings. And the dream work is as much a practice as a path. It's a practice of becoming more and more um, capable of letting feelings be and letting them wash through you so that they, they can open to other feelings. So often fear opens to joy and pain opens to love. And, um, you know, through these gateways, when we begin to learn that they're, they're, they're gateways, if we don't resist the fear that a dream evokes for us and can simply sit with it, it will change. And I think people are so scared of fear that they, you know, we all run from fear or react and do something to take the fear away. But actually being able to sit in the fear within the image and context of the dream begins the practice of of learning to stay with ourselves actually in our bodies right and just to add you know the proof is in the pudding if you do that then the next night you have a dream that celebrates that step by giving you new material that um that you can work on and you know if you don't do that, then the dreams tend to get redundant and repetitive and they just circle around. And so successful dream work with the practitioner or the, or the uh, dreamer produces evolutionary dreams and uh, that actually reflects itself in an in a absolute journey. 
But most people, you look at their dreams, they go, wow, they're saying dreams. Or they don't see a journey in them. Well, that's because you haven't started it yet. But you have to you have to get it, and then the next dreams respond to the fact that you learned something. It's another thing to understand that dreams are more conscious than we are. It's like they come from the land of the 80% of the brain that we don't use. Now, and we all know about the 80% of the brain that we don't use. Well, I think there's no question that the 80% of the brain is is from you know it wants to come alive with the opening to the dream world that. Eventually, we don't need dreams because we live in the, we live the dream in the world by being that, um, and that is attainable. <clears throat> if, if only you go part way, it's it's uh, anything you do in this life to work through things. It's only going to make it better next time. Yeah. Now, do you do you see people becoming more creative and more intuitive um, after they've been working with their dreams for a while? Yeah, very much so. In fact. If- Anybody's listening uh, goes to our website and you'll see uh, we have a, an online journal and all kinds of music and art and writing that um, people who started to open up to their unconscious through their dreams, um, you know, find this irresistible need to express themselves and can be very inspiring to see and hear um, uh, and read what, how people, you know, find their way and find uh, the way of expression that's unique to them. So it's, it's kind of exciting if you check out our website in that way. Um, there are many people doing the dream work who, uh, who are artists and musicians and writers, and often their work changes. Um, the way that they do their art changes and um, becomes more deeply rooted in their own inner experience. Yeah, we have a big musical component We have a, that came out of that is a band now that's dreamers with this band called Bob and the Troubadours, and they all write from their place of their dreams. We have uh, several albums out musically. They're very good, and they're all about their their work reflected in a song or a poem that's reflected as a song. So when we go all over the world, we try to bring our troubadours with us, and we have musical component to uh, to the intense work of uh, dreams, which we which we have them play there as well, um, and art and writing and all the things that can come from a spontaneous connection to the soul. We're not writing about it. The requirement is you have to live in it enough to then let it write or the soul express. And of course, many of our students who are teachers, uh, have obtained some of that, and therefore they can teach others. And we probably have 20 people that are now taking clients and um, are teachers in their own right. Yeah, we have a couple of wonderful uh, courses, too, that our, our uh, center, the Center for Archetypal Dreamwork, offers. One is, is drawing from your dreams, and the other is, you know, the art of writing from your dreams. So... Um, we and uh, and we have musicality retreats and yeah we're very much um, have found ways to for people to connect more deeply with the self that's emerging through art so a lot of these are are really deep process uh, classes and workshops we do and you do them four times a year is that right um, well we do uh, retreats in Vermont. Uh, two or three times a year, 
and uh, we do the musicality twice a year, and um, we go to a lot of different places. Um, the next place we're going is um, Brightonbush Hot Springs um, up in the Cascades in Oregon, and um, and from there we'll be at Kripalu in Massachusetts, and then we're back on the West Coast at Hollyhock up in British Columbia in the fall. So, you know, we hop around and we do... Uh, the string therapy in in these groups where wherever we go it's generally we offer a five day retreat uh, experience although we just did an introductory weekend at Esalen and uh, a lot of new folks came to that but at basically whatever wherever we go we um, we extend an experiential um, offering of the work because uh, as you can imagine, it really comes to life um, how the dreams open up when you see and watch um, and enter into um, the drama of the dreams. Now, do you have any just watching, I was going to say probably just watching others kind of go through it, it kind of gives you an imprint also. It kind of puts you right in it to support. Absolutely, well. yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. can have, you know, deep feelings evoked by watching someone else's work, for sure. Yeah. And, and then uh, we all learn okay. from each other's dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah. love about the group process is that you you get to really see and feel the vulnerable places uh, in others, and it, and for one thing, you can feel uh, create more courageous about opening and being seen in your own. Right, and the thing is, we all when you come to do a, a group work, there's maybe eight students per group, and we'll have as many groups. We don't go over that because it loses the intimacy. But everybody starts out, you know, with you know, until their dreams are done, everybody has their own. And especially if they're new, their own assessment of other people and themselves in the room. But when the dream gets done one by one, uh, two, three a day in each group, um, people begin to realize that the people they're with aren't the people they thought they were because they're seeing them from the dream's point of view, from their deepest work. And whatever their ego is or isn't and the disagreements we have on that level simply melt away and people feel often if they don't, you know, get scared and run away first, feel this incredible closeness in, in the fellowship of the journey. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of the Lord of the Ring and the fellowship of, of people together on this journey to, 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 to destroy the ring of power. Um, because that's what happens to us. We lose control of our capacity to control and allow the divine to come, and the girl especially, to be the one that does the, that, that that controls us or 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 is us. Anyway, this is a great thing in groups because just uh, the perceptions of each other and all the ego stuff can really melt away, and people can really find a deeper way of standing with each other in pain and joy and tears and 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 um, and the profound love that can come out of that in dreams and become conscious in the ego self, which is what we want. You don't want the spirituality to only come in dreams. You want to find a way to have that cross over. And the best way is to do what the girl likes most, which is relationship. She loves relationship from a place of the deepest feelings. Now, do you have so any upcoming is, webinars? <clears throat> um, webinars, I'm not sure that we have a webinar coming up. Um, so... 
we schedule them generally with with groups if somebody's interested somewhere um and uh say they're in Portland or Tucson and they say would you do a webinar we'll we'll organize them specifically um and that that's how that works um but for people really interested in the ne- taking a next step i really recommend checking out our website northofeden.com and submitting a dream if you're curious after today's conversation you can actually send in a dream and one of our real live analysts will respond to you in a very detailed and personal way to give you a sense of how this work might work for you and um yeah our next public presentation is in Vancouver so um we're at home in Vermont for the next couple of weeks but again uh if anybody's interested in in knowing more there's you know there's tons of information and you can also give us a call and uh if anybody wants a webinar we certainly would organize it right sue scavo right. takes care of that and i also want to say all our books uh with i own about a dozen of them now with some more coming out um two of them are on blogs uh carl and carl-me.com is on blog and being written on the blog it's already done, but we're we're going it from class format to writing and then back to a book. And um, also, uh, all our books are free online to read. Uh, you know, you can purchase them on Amazon.com. Where they're also everything we do, we try to make it um, as free as possible because this knowledge doesn't belong to anyone. So we want we want to. Uh, that's why Chris is so excited about our website because there's so much on there that's just free and you can learn from. Oh, you know, it's so exciting, and I just have to let people know this book, um, you know, Flesh Off the Bone, uh, is so involved. It is so deep. It is so marvelous to read through. And um, again, your website is northofeden.com. And. Um, you know, this is so powerful to be able to step into your dream and and the teachings of the unconscious, unconscious, to be able to to unroll it. And um, I, you know, Mark and Krista, I just want to thank you so much for being with us. It's it's really a pleasure. And um, you know, we'll uh, you have DVDs, you have all kinds of things. Uh, you know, audios and things just listen to it it's open and it's a beautiful website um thank you, know. you Taz. appreciate that appreciate that and, well, and i'm sure that you've sparked with our listeners uh to start to work with their dreams so this is very important right now yes thank you so much for your work on your show sometime later yeah god bless you and uh yeah. thank you thanks, thanks you paula much. thanks Taz. Oh, you're welcome bye bye Bye.